Our next live broadcast will be a special one. In fact, I'm not exactly sure how my, what we call out cues in the business are going to go. Usually say Bulls Unlimited, but it's going to be a mouthful because we're going to be on Bulls Unlimited, but also on WDAE as they are broadcasting from the Yingling Center beginning at 3 o'clock, and they will broadcast our coverage of the game itself. So that's going to be pretty cool. And again, without giving away too much, there might be another collaboration between us and WDAE later in the week. Just stay tuned for that. We hope to pull something pretty cool off. But what happened over the weekend with baseball, close loss, then a solid win, and a lopsided loss. So really, and this is how it went all weekend with these games. They were pretty close, competitive games, great event between four teams, which we all think are going to go to the NCAA tournament. Two of them come away with winning records including the two that beat the Bulls. Said close loss in the first game, 5-4 to four in 10 innings. Team split runs in the second. Daniel Cantu, a line drive. Cantu gets into that one, going back on it in right field, and just watching it go out of here. Is Casey Dana as Cantu was not fooled, and the Bulls are on the board. It's 1-1. One to one. Daniel Cantu laces. A home run that I think was in the air for all of two seconds. Home run in the bottom of the second, but the Bulls could not get it going against UConn's starting pitcher. He was their best pitcher last year, Austin Peterson, and he struck out 13 Bulls. Jack Jasiak was solid for the Bulls in the start and was in line to actually get the win despite coughing up the lead in the top of the fourth inning because in the bottom of the sixth, once they got Peterson out of the game, the Bulls got comfortable. Actually, they got a break because Nick Gonzalez, with two outs, hits a ball to the second baseman, and he boots it, and that sets up the chance for the lead. Delivers, and that fastball pops the inside corner. Called strike, one and one. Righty to a lefty, that's where you want to place it, and he would have had to really have had a head start on the bat to deliver anything there. Good pitch. One and one to him. Same spot, and it gets through! Fair territory, and will at least tie the game. Gonzalez is motoring around third base. Bo Derkak says, go on home, and the Bulls take the lead! Captain Clutch comes through again! Eaton, that same spot, inside corner, looked like a dandy pitch, and he roped it, and it just stayed inside the right field line. Then the Bulls got another run, which seemed like it was pretty important in a low-scoring game. It was going to be a good thing when Ben Rosenblum, who became the leadoff hitter, the transfer from FIU, and did a great job this weekend, makes it 4-2. But then the guy who was lights out in the postseason last year, Joe Sanchez, relieves Jaciak and give credit to UConn. They have a veteran coach, and they knew it was coming. Off-speed, off-speed and they lined up two of them for doubles back-to-back to make it 4-3. to three. So this is when the series, at least the weekend series, I call it, it was three different opponents, but the weekend changed from a pitching perspective. I know the Bulls wanted to go with Orion Kirkring as their starter in Game 3, and this might be how it goes for all the weekends, by the way, if they don't need to use him in either of the first two games in late relief because Kirkring can go multiple innings, and if you're winning easily and you don't need a closer – or, frankly, if you're losing, you don't need Kirkring. Well, they needed him. And they brought him into a 4-3 game, and it looked like he was going to get out of it. But a tough called ball three on a 2-2 two and two pitch, a curveball that just stayed outside. Curveball just taken on the outside corner. And when I say just taken, Smith just prayed that he wouldn't be walking back to the dugout. Because that one was close. Full count. 
Started outside. Looked like it swept around the outside of the plate. Full count. Here's the pitch, same location and taken for a walk. And now here comes Stock. Boy, that is a rough one. Boy, you would have loved to see that two and two pitch get called a strike, frankly. Last year when the Bulls were getting their big wins towards the end of the season, those were the types of calls they were getting. And then Eric Stock, who is UConn's outstanding top returning hitter, rockets one through the left side, and it was tied up. The Bulls had their chances to walk it off or at least take the lead, couldn't do it. UConn got a home run in the top of the 10th off of Kirkring. Dana, who is one for four today, has flown out a couple times and flat out, and he just took that one, maybe out. Deep to left field, and it is a goner. Just destroyed that fastball by Kirkring, and UConn takes the lead. Who did a great job in this game, but ended up taking the loss, and the Bulls fall 5-4 in 10 innings. Jaciak gave him six. Kirkring gave him four innings through 77 pitches, struck out nine, but he was done for the weekend. Bulls lose 5-4, but they win 8-4. We'll give you the highlights from one inning because a lot happened in the bottom of the second. Here's six runs for you. Cantu ripped one out of here yesterday. He's going to sky that one high. Could be tricky for the center fielder, Usher, as he is fooled by it and is coming in. It's going to land in a Texas League double. As where that ball landed, Levi Usher has got to be thinking, little help here. I have to tip your cap to Mr. Poland. That ball is whacked. Deep to center field. Usher going back on it, and he will make the play. Cantu has to get a late tag, and he drops the ball out there. Boy, Usher is having an eventful inning, and they're going to head and send Cantu out. There's going to be a play at the plate. Boy, did Louisville bungle that one. Bulls take the lead, and they shouldn't have. No fault of Jared Poland. He is down 1-0 in this game. He has induced two flyouts, neither of which were flyouts. Now he has given up a solid base hit, an RBI single for Pena. On a fastball, sends it right back up the middle, and it's 2-0 Bulls. 2-2-2. Two two, two. Gonzalez, there's a fastball, and it gets poked into center field, but second baseman's going to get and drop that ball. I think Pena would have scored having tagged anyway, so that might go down as a rib, but, man, Louisville can't catch the ball, and it's 3-0. Ooh, that ball is off speed and patiently pounded into left field by Lane. Nice job there. Add to the carousel. It's 5-0. Fastball, and it's tagged up the middle by Cantu. Drew Brutcher is going to scorch around. He better hurry up because there's a close play at third. They dropped the ball over there. So an RBI single by Cantu. I think he would have gotten in regardless, Brutcher, and it's 6 to nothing. 100% no doubt the sun played a role. The game actually started at 5, and it was supposed to be a 4 o'clock game, and I think that had a factor because that was the time of the day when the sun was at its toughest. They were making catches later, but not in that inning. They would make all the catches later, but not in that inning. The Bulls would win it 8-4. to four. Actually, Louisville made it very scary in the top of the fifth, getting to Brad Lord, scoring four runs, but the Bulls get an insurance run in the next inning, which was pretty important, and it was great to see Nick Rivera come through because he had struck out four times against UConn and had to be pulled for a pinch hitter. Then Carmine Lane finishes the deal with a triple. Lane was three for five in the contest. Lord lasted the five innings to get the win, struck out six. Then two great innings each from Devin Hemingway and Hunter Mink, the transfer from Florida, twin brother of Tanner Mink, got the solid two-inning save. Got the solid two-inning save. Tanner Mink would pitch on Sunday. He would be the seventh Bulls pitcher, unfortunately, 
and this is again when Kirkring would be used if he didn't have to pitch the first two games. Jack Siebert, maybe a little nerves, walked three in the first inning, gave up four runs. Nolan Hootie coughed up four runs against a very good hitting team in Charlotte. Will Lancaster, their starting pitcher, lasted into the sixth inning. Lane tagged a three-run homer. It was 8 nothing at the time. It ends up being 10-4 on what I'll call the worst game-ending home run in USF history. Jay Retcher had the call. Ruiz hit that ball well in the left center field, and it will get down. Both outfielders die for it. Ruiz is not going to stop. Unfortunately, both outfielders are down. Ruiz is going to come around and score. It's going to be an inside-the-park home run, but obviously the main focus and attention right now is on the center fielder and the left fielder, Cunningham and Baker, who both dove for the ball and made contact with each other. Oh. And that's one where, frankly, if you had to have it back, if you're a fan, you don't clap at all on that play. You just don't. Jay Retcher handled it perfectly. And after about 12 minutes, Billy Mole and crew got together. Basically, Charlotte had what's called a drop-dead time where if an inning doesn't start at a certain time, they got to catch a plane. That time was 5.15, and Mole just sped it along. And actually, Jay's call at the end of the game was great. In this situation, I think Coach Billy Mole's looking at this game like, listen, it's an early season game. They're calling the game. Yeah, I don't think this is a terrible thing right now because you're putting these kids out there in this situation right now. This game doesn't really mean anything as far as the conference standings or anything like that. I, don't, I think this is a classy move, and there's a there's the clap there from both stands. I think the pe- everybody realize this is just a weird feeling in this game right now. There's no reason to keep going. It's 10-4. to 4. You, The last thing you want is somebody to get hurt in this situation, whether it's the pitcher or somebody else. That's a really, really smart play, a really good play uh, by the Coach Billy Mole, man. I really like that call. I really like that. It's, it's not about winning and losing all the time. In a situation like this, this is about these young men and their health and who knows where the mindset is of some of these players that are still in the game. And It just doesn't make sense to keep playing this game. like the idea. I really do. We'll talk more about the baseball team later on in the week. A lot of positives, and the crowds were great. Total attendance for the three Bulls games. 5,000 they host Stony Brook for the set this weekend. Unfortunately, losses for both men's basketball and twice for women's tennis. The men are in last place. They would have been in 10th place had they beaten Tulsa for a second time this year. They cannot, so they're pretty much locked into that last spot unless they can string some wins together before the conference tournament. This time, 65-57, to Sam Griffin, who scored 21 against the Bulls on January 29th, had not reached the 20-point mark since. Yeah, he was back to reaching the 20-point mark, made four threes and scored 23 in this game. The key, end of the first half, start of the second. Tie game, a minute to go at the end of the first half. Tulsa scores the last five, including getting a three from Tim Dogger. Tim Dogger was four for 19 on threes all season long. That momentum must have buoyed Tulsa to the start of the second half because it scored the first six points and the Bulls never got the margin below six the rest of the way, 65-57. to 57. Javon Green goes 3 of 10 on three-pointers, scores 15 points. Russell Chiwa, 13 points and seven rebounds. Kayla Murphy also in double figures, 10 points. But Sorrell Smith, who had had that hot streak going, one of eight on threes, and the Bulls just didn't have that extra component. Seven and 19 for the season, two and 12 in the conference, and two road games coming up this week, Wednesday at ECU, Saturday at Cincinnati, and then two more games before the conference tournament. Women's tennis is one and seven, and they are in every match, but can't 
finish a lot of the close matches. Win the doubles point against a good Liberty team. Basically had to split the singles. Sierra Berry crushed her opponent, but that was the only singles victory. Liberty had easy wins at 4-6. and six. The other three matches were all tight. Bulls needed to win two of them. Lara Pellisse lost 7-5 in the third set just after Grace Schumacher dropped a second set tiebreaker. Speaking of tiebreakers, Margaret Timmermans won hers in the first set, and the second was in a tiebreaker. Again, very tight. But the Bulls fall then Sunday. Similar situation against North Texas this time, losing the doubles point, so they had to win four singles matches. Grace Schumacher wins hers, 6-2, 7-6. And they were in every other match, but could not grab the W. By the way, driving from baseball to the tennis courts to check out some of the action on Sunday. Indoor performance facility, starting to look like an actual building. We've got another Michael Kelly podcast coming up later on in the week. We'll tell you about that on tomorrow's show. Again, assuming we have a show, it looks like my computer is going to hold up tomorrow night. Women's basketball is our next event on the channel. That'll do it for Bulls Beat on a Monday. I'm Derek Sharp.